All right, guys, welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast. This is Dante and Dalton here speaking at you. Isaiah, unfortunately, in his travels up to Liberty University to uh, say hello to the, the old stomping grounds, could not join us this week. But uh, Dante, how, how's it going, man? You, uh, you enjoy the, the show that the PGA Tour gave us this week at the WGC? Yeah, it was pretty sick. It seemed like it was, uh, it was you know, you saw Rory. I mean, hey, I didn't. My guy didn't get cut this week, so that's that's a that's a win in my book. But your streak ended. Your curse is over for right now. I'm uh, not. I'm not a hex. I'm as happy a, for I, you. I'm I'm really yeah. happy for you. I thought your season I, uh, was going to be dismal. I thought your anyone you picked was going to be cursed. I'm happy for you. I I if, if I picked Rory because obviously he battled with DJ last year, wanted to get it done. I. He, he his game is just insane right now and if he like lost got destroyed there wasn't a cut though right this week there wasn't the there wasn't a cut um that's uh, a fantastic question i'm not 100 percent sure of that answer i don't think there was a cut so i got i got away with that one but if there was and he got cut i was calling a hex i had a hex i had a curse you name it it was just whatever but I, it was a good tournament to see. I caught bits and pieces of it uh, when I could. Uh, but it seemed like the leaderboard kept changing day to day. I think was... that's the beauty about this course. And I think they moved it here maybe three or four years ago from a different venue. Um, and this venue has not, uh, you know, disappointed as far as it seems like every year this place comes down to the stretch. Um, and there's somebody scrambling from somewhere. It's a really tight course. So the minute you lose a ball a little to the right or a little to the left, you're in kind of a jailhouse. Um, and I love seeing guys hit these little, like JT hit a left-handed little cutter punch shot from out of the trees. Uh, I mean, he went on to make double, but still these guys are getting, having to get creative because this course is so challenging and tough. So um, just from a TV perspective, I thought it was fun to watch for a change i mean these guys were just battling out there constant lead changes con you know guys sniffing course records on saturday with rom how about rom's hole in one on 17 on yeah, the third day stoked. i've never good. seen anyone so excited especially from like a rom perspective usually i mean he's a fiery guy everyone knows he's highly emotional but i thought he was gonna just throw his caddy into the water he was so excited that was a one hop and in too, right? A one and done, man. Yeah, yes, those that, are cool. That was impressive. See. That was fun to watch. Um, it's those are weird though when you watch them because it just messes with your eye because the ball just is up and then it just sinks. You're the expecting to not see that, that second deep. bounce. Yep, you're expecting yeah. to see it, and then all of a, a sudden, rolling it just. Yep. <laughs> it brings nah, me back was, to the question though. That one hopper went in. How did Tigers? I'm still I'm still hung over on this. How did Tigers not go in at Tory Pines when he one hopped it? I need a scientific explanation from that, man. I really do. <laughs> I just think it's just the golf gods that said, ha, nah. Not today. Not Just messing today. with you. Yeah. But, oh, man. Nah, man. It's, it was fun to watch this weekend. Uh, you know, like we said, Rom getting out there and just blitzing, this, blitzing the field on, Thursday, on Saturday. Uh, course record 61. Rory sniffing at it pretty much the whole time. But I think the story of the week, other than our, our man Patrick Reed taking home another WGC, which we'll get to here in a moment, I want to talk about Justin Thomas. This is his 
third time at a WGC where he's had a 54-hole lead and blown it down the stretch. I don't know whether it's Mexico that's gotten to JT's head or if it's just uh, a coincidence because everyone knows he can close. We've seen him close before on multiple occasions. Uh, wh- what do you think it is about the Mexico yeah, maybe hex that, <laughs> that it is with, with JT and 54-hole leads? Maybe the, uh, the elevation. Uh, like you were saying earlier, it was cool to see how those guys uh, had the strat- you know, had their strategies around the course. And, I mean, these guys hit it far enough as it is. So when you're 7,000 feet in the air – and they even said it. They went from like a couple hundred feet to 300 feet, and then next thing up, you're going nearly 8,000 feet in, in elevation, and you just have to on the fly. I mean, granted, they get there well before the tournament so they can – get a feel for their shots but you know when you're playing at closer below sea level a uh, majority of the time and then you just have to jump up near 8,000 up to 7,000 plus more uh, feet in the air to where you have to just <laughs> oh yeah my pitching wedge is gonna go like a buck 70 it's crazy. A, and to see some of, of the yards there. these guys were hitting this weekend was absolutely absurd. Uh, Rory, I think, uh, landed it onto a 475-yard par four, uh, something like that. But, you know, the guys, the, the guys in the studio actually did a good job of recognizing, hey, we're at this much altitude, duh, it's going to go this high. I, and, I, and, I, and honestly, I kind of laughed at that too because it goes with the whole distance report thing because, you know, they're, they're, I remember a couple years ago, where, oh, DJ hit, uh, I don't know, a 350-yard two-iron or whatever. Well, yeah, at 8,000 feet elevation or altitude. Yep, there's always, yeah. one, there's always one part of the I equation mean, just left out a little bit. But, or uh, or I, I like how they put it, it was, I don't know, 200 yards, and then with the factor of the altitude, you had the – it was, say, maybe – Oh, 200 yards, say 150 or whatever. And then it was downhill. So they adjusted and it actually played 120 or whatever the number was. Yeah. So the guy was actually playing 120. But you know how media likes to do, oh, this guy just hit a pitching wedge 200 yards. Wow. You know, there's a problem. No, <laughs> there's no problem. It's that guy actually hit his standard club. It's just the numbers are a little fluctuated. Yeah, but it's fun to see. Um, like I said, the distance, while they do hit it a long ways down there, is kind of reined in by how tight that course is. Um, so it was really fun to see. It was an awesome tournament. I know I was sitting in front of my couch. There was so much, lead, so many lead changes coming down the stretch. Patrick Reed making like a 25-footer on 17 to take the lead. Um, you want to talk about stones on, on some guy that's, you know, in a pressure pack situation. Um, it was really cool to see my favorite part of the whole tournament was actually not just the golf itself, but after the tournament was over, uh, DeChambeau, who ended up kind of blowing it down the stretch and just not playing very well, um, went up and congratulated Patrick Reed and, and the mics kind of caught him saying, you know, Hey man, I know how you feel. Um, we're in this, uh, together. And he was asked about that afterwards saying kind of, you know, why, what did you mean by that? And, um, he basically said uh, and stood up for both him and Patrick Reed saying, you know, we are probably the two most scrutinized guys out here on tour when it comes to Bryson with his scientific analysis and slow play and what, you know, you have it with him. The, the book seems to be endless on Bryson. 
And then the most recent, um, you know, allegations or you have it with Reed, um, especially with the Costas interview, um, G. Shambo was basically saying, you know, hey, I just wanted him to let him know that I appreciate how much of a competitor he is in the times of, you know, most scrutiny because I've been there, I am there, we're always there. Um, so it was a kind of neat little insight to know that, like, yes, these guys do pay attention to social media. They pay attention to the posts and the articles that are going out there. And, you know, I think it goes a long way in saying, you know, because they're pros doesn't mean they don't listen it doesn't mean they block it all out they're just better at doing what they do while listening to all the critics yeah i I agree there and i mean now that you know you know people are growing up and moving in you you're getting you're getting those players majority of those players are on you know relatively our age and even younger so they're in the social media game already so you know they're definitely going to be you know, they have their Twitter accounts, you know, they have Instagram accounts, you know, they're on their phones at night before they go to bed messing around, you know, they're on it, you know, they're definitely seeing the news. So yeah, it, I, but sometimes I just think, you know, y'all, you always got to have a villain, someone to root up against. So those guys are definitely, you know, it seems like their names are in the paper a little bit more. So, you know, you got, you got guys trying to point the finger a little bit, you know, you gotta, you gotta root against somebody. Because a lot of the, the camaraderie on tour seems like it's pretty good um, with everybody because, you know, everybody's talking about how everybody's boys with each other and all that. There's really not much, you know, that guy sucks. I can't stand that guy or whatnot. There probably is, um, but, you know, we don't really see it. So I'd say it's few and far between if there ever is that case, you know. Um, just the way you see these guys get together and um, even when it's like the President's Cup, when it's internationals versus um, – Americans and you kind of see these guys hanging out after their matches are done and like, yeah, they're cutthroat during the match, but they're, they're talking to each other after the rounds and this, that, and the other. And it's like, I think the PGA tour um, is just a fraternity kind of in the way these guys travel to the same events. A majority of the year they're in and around each other enough to, yeah, you're going to have your few bad apples, but a lot of these guys probably do end up being really good buddies outside of the golf course um, and wanting to, you know, hang out or, or at least be in each other's company and don't mind it as, as much as someone who they might hate. Yeah. It's almost like Patrick Reed. That was kind of almost icing on the cake for him or must like a big F you to all, all the fans that are just drilling him for, you know, whatever's going on. But every time, I mean, he, every time he wins, you know, they're like him and Kessler are just going back into the back room or whatever. And just like, giving a big F you to all the haters. And that's just every, like every putt down the stretch when Patrick Reed is in contention, I feel like he just wants to hold up a big old middle finger to everyone in the crowd and say, yeah, how about that? Take that. And it just fuels this guy, man. It just fuels him. It's awesome. I love it. I I love it. And that, yeah, exactly. Because you look at that. I mean, he's very quiet and kind of keeps his personal life out of, um, out of the media's hands, um, which is, which is good. Uh, if you want to kind of stay, you know, leave me alone so I can actually live a decent life. But yeah, that's, I mean, you're just keep. And like you said, I think if they're going to keep yelling at him or keep heckling him or whatnot, you're just fueling his fire and he's just going to do what that's just going to make him better. So 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, he and he, he got it. He got it done, man. I mean, his swing's sick, and I'll give it to him. And I just I love watching him swing because it's just so effortless and it just seems so pain free. You want to talk about when coming in clutch, like the clutch factor, and just you want to talk about guys who perform down the stretch and maybe falter. There's not too many times, especially when the scrutiny becomes this, like when when Patrick Reed becomes the story and the scrutiny just gets higher and higher. It seems like coming down the stretch in tournaments where Patrick Reed was the story a week or two before, he just performs better. You look at the President's Cup, and yes, he struggled early. Then his caddy punches a fan, and all of a sudden it lights this fire under Reed, and he wins like seven and two or something like that. And then you come to this week and just the, the talk and the buzz around Bahamas and then the Costas story. And they ask him about that. and No comment. You know, it's just like, why do you piss this? Like, it's like they want to see him win because the, the more they piss him off, the better he plays. And I love it's it. Good because for like headlines. You said, it's fantastic for headlines. It's great for golf. Golf needs a villain. And if Patrick Reed can be a good, you know, one headliner a year in which he pisses off the golf world. I think it's great for everyone because he'll play better. The golf world will have their stories and their villain. And I think he's around to stay for at least another five years. I guarantee you that. Oh yeah. He, I I was just going to say that he's not going away anytime soon. So to anybody that really can't stand him, uh, you're looking at another couple of t- five to 10 years, maybe of yeah. hitting the spotlight. So now you want to talk about, I'm going to flip the script on you. A guy that I think everyone wants to stay around for a very long time. Your most recent winner on the PGA tour event. So the WGC, while it is a uh, PGA sanctioned event, it's a WGC top 50 in the world qualify. Uh, they still had the PGA tour had an event this week for, you know, the rest of the guys uh, on tour who didn't qualify. Um, and Victor Hovland took that championship home. Um, now you want to talk about a kid who's been rising on the golf scene for a very long time, low amateur at the U S open. I think he was close to U S amateur, uh, or he was the U S amateur champion, uh, two years ago, uh, low amateur runner up at the masters. I mean, a kid with just an insane amount of upside that's been knocking the door, played at OK state with, uh, with Matt Wolf. So Matt Wolf got that, you know, first year PGA tour win. Um, and so he took this home this weekend in a rain soaked Puerto Rican open, um, made an absolute bomb that if it didn't hit the hole, it was going 30 feet past, like just, just an awesome story. Uh, awesome way to win. I'd love to run a putt in like that for a W on tour, uh, with absolute gusto, you know, what, one thing I got to tell my man, uh, Victor Hovland, and I think he just needs to get a little bit more comfortable in front of the cameras and they ask him on the spot questions because he freezes up and I don't think he knows what to say. <laughs> so I actually loved it. I, I they asked Oh, it's him, great. You know, don't get me wrong. how he because... played or what he thought he could have done better. And he goes, oh, my chipping sucks. Like he's just froze. And I'm like, that soundbite right there will be the most relatable soundbite of 2020 between us normal golfers. Cause no Victor, we don't know how to chip either. <laughs> and that's, that's, what's great too. Like you were saying how it is, it's really good because he's just being natural. Granted if he is, if he did freeze up, but it, he's not putting on a different face and given everybody what they should hear or they want to, this is what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Hey, I, I suck at chipping too. So, you know, it's, it, and that, and that's what it goes back to 
what the ams and the pros is that's <laughs> exactly. what what makes golf so great is that you have something you can relate with the pros there's always something relatable when you see something that they do that's it's usually on a mess up because listen we're not perfect as amateurs so it's it's nice to hear that where they're like, yeah, I struggle too. No one masters this. No, no way, no how. And uh, you know, we'll we'll allude to that a little later uh, as we talk to our up and coming guest here, uh, Bryce Butler. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we'll introduce him here in a bit and get to uh, kind of his love for the game uh, on and off the football field. Um, he's a uh, veteran, I would say, in the uh, in the NFL, playing for about the last seven years and um definitely he said he's looking into a uh a free agency position here going into 2020 so we're not quite sure where he'll land yet but uh you know for our philly fans dante and isaiah we're we're sure hoping he fly eagles fly right up on home to philly and hell uh, yeah man bring him out to the uh to the courses bring him out to the bring him out to the deer let's go hey we'll uh we'll petition as hard as we can to get him up in the uh northeastern section of the uh united states and hopefully not too far and he doesn't land up in pay the patriot town you know oh but, god <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i think uh i think this weekend was just a fun fun time for golf it was must watch tv which was you know we talked about it in weeks past sometimes golf is just you know put yourself to sleep tv so uh, it was nice and refreshing uh, golf to watch while uh, I only really caught Saturday uh, afternoon and a little bit of Sunday towards the end, but it was great golf to watch. So uh, looking forward to next week at the Honda Classic. And then uh, my favorite, uh, I think, tour event outside of the majors the week after that, uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational at, uh, at Bay Hill. Um, always a classic tournament. Uh, guys go far above and beyond what they normally do as far as honoring the King, uh, Arnold Palmer, whether how they dress or, you know, just little nods to him throughout the week. So that's always fun for me to see. And I think my favorite competition, uh, throughout the year. So yeah, guys, uh, really appreciate, uh, you guys tuning in for this interview. We had fun, uh, interviewing Bryce and getting his story of how he got into the game. Uh, some of the cool trends within the golf game and where he wants to see the game head, you know, in the next decade or so and, and how he's helping, uh, children, uh, that might not have the means of access and getting into the game, uh, how he's helping them pick up a club and, and get interested in this beautiful game we call golf. So, uh, that's it for us this week, guys. We'll be back on Thursday with another fun interview that you guys won't want to miss. So, uh, if you guys want to check us out or interact with us after this interview, interview is over let us know your thoughts let us know what you thought of uh bryce and everything he had to say at enjoy the walk pod so for you those of you who currently you know followed us before we did change our instagram handle it was uh it is now enjoy the walk pod on twitter and instagram uh, and you can f follow us on facebook as well at the enjoy the walk podcast and as always, pick up some new merch. We release new t-shirts. Uh, we have a sticker and coaster pack that you guys can pick up for like five bucks, super cheap, free shipping. Um, so check us out. Uh, please interact with us. We love hearing your thoughts, your stories, your tags from where you're playing golf. Uh, so just feel free to tag us and interact, guys. We love mucking it up and uh, being the people's podcast. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into Bryce Butler. And as always, guys, enjoy the walk. 
Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. We have an awesome guest joining us, a seven-year veteran out of the NFL, spent time with the Oakland Raiders, most recently the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins, a wide receiver and absolute golf guru in his own right, Bryce Butler. Thanks for joining us this week, man. How's it going? Thank you guys for having me. It's been good, man. Just uh, got got back from a long week of playing golf in Vegas and, you know, with all the fight festivities going on there. Um, believe it or not, it's my first time in Vegas, so I'm just trying to recharge the batteries a little bit so I can get, have a good week this week. There's always something about Vegas that just no matter what you do, who you are, it leaves you a little empty in the tank after after time spent there. For sure. I, I see it now. Yeah. We didn't even go out and party or any of that. It was just like hanging out around the casino and just being up late and getting up early and just doing it two days in a row. So, yeah, I guess You said so. you were there for the fight a little bit. Did you have uh, did you have Fury or Wilder in that one? You know what's funny? Um, I had been watching all the, the shows, like the ESPN shows that led up to the fight, and uh, – you know, I like I thought Fury was like a little bit more focused than uh, Deontay. But when I got to Vegas, I don't know if it was, if it was the oxygen in the air, but like I bet on uh, Wilder, and it was like as soon as like round one started, I was like, I don't think I should have put my money on this guy. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I should have put my money on this guy. And then because I saw the first fight, and I knew that pretty much the whole fight, Fury, you know, controlled it. And I don't know why I thought that Deontay Wilder was going to knock this guy out. I don't know why. But I lost some money. So thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Deontay Wilder. Um, <laughs> man, man owes you but, a nice, uh, nice bottle of wine or something down the road, right? He owes me like one of those crazy masks or something that he likes to wear. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, we were we were all tuned in here as well, and it was <laughs> shocking just to uh, to see a fight dominated so one handed. You know, heavily sided from uh, from Fury's perspective. That was uh, unexpected from two juggernauts. Like that. Yeah, from the yeah, it was dominated. I think one guy didn't have conditioning or something. Yeah, Something looked know. off. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but yeah, now, nah, man, I, sure. I'd love to get into you a little bit and just kind of your background of, you know, uh, Zach Bates kind of put us, uh, put you on our radar. So, you know, quick shout out to him for uh, reaching out for us and getting us connected. But uh, he told us you're, you're a golf nut and, and we'd love to know maybe where you picked up the game in the first place and uh, what's, what's led you down the road of continuing to play as much as you do today. Uh, well, I uh, my dad used to play. Um, he wasn't like an avid golfer like myself, but when me and my brothers were younger, um, he used to try to take us out to play. And um, I tried to do everything that my dad did. He played football. I'm the only one out of the four of us brothers that played football. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he took us to play golf a lot. So I love, I love to go play. And so, yeah, like, I used to play as a kid a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I was, like, good or anything. I just enjoyed to play the game. And then when I got to the pros, um, I hadn't played in college because I didn't have any a set of clubs or anything. But when I got to the pros, um, I really wanted to play my first two seasons. Um, but I couldn't because I hurt my shoulders. I got uh, shoulder surgery on both labrums, um, my rookie season and my second season. 
And so as soon as I got traded to Dallas, my third season, my shoulders were healthy. Um, Dallas was a little bit more of an avid golf city than I was saying the Bay Area is or to my knowledge was at the time. And so I bought, I bought a set of clubs and started uh, swinging at the ball. And that's, that was 2016. And um, we're here now still trying to become a single digit handicap. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a little couple notes here that uh, the last list golf digest put out, you, you were on their top 50 of professionals, you know, outside of the game of golf that play the game and have a pretty good handicap. You're listed at a 12. Is that, is that something you've been able to crunch down to close to a 10 or, or are you, are you working to get down to that single digit still? <laughs> oh, that's kind of dope. I didn't even know they had that up, but no, um, <laughs> I've all, ever since I, ever since I kept the handicap, I've been under a 12. Um, it was funny because I thought I would be like a 15 or 16 because I thought handicap was pretty much just like whatever your average score is per round or however many bogeys you average around was like your handicap. I, that's what I thought it was. So mm -hmm. if you were asking me what my handicap was, I would say, oh, it's like an 18 because I had pretty much average, you know, bogey golf. And people would look at me like, oh, I'm not playing with you. Oh, I'm not playing with you. And I was like, why? And they're like, your handicap's not low enough. And then once I – uh finally started keeping up with my you know my gin or gin or however you pronounce it um i was like a 10.7 and then i got it down to like an 8.9 at a point and now it's back with the new rules and stuff that's back to a 10 like a 10.2 i think yeah i, f I feel like the whole, the whole Actually. golfing industry saw their handicap go up a few few strokes whether it's you know couple of the single digit handicappers went from about a four to a seven or something like that. So there's, there definitely might be some sandbagging going on in those men's leagues this year. Yeah. I'm a 10.4 right now on the list. My lowest on here says 9.7. Um, yeah. I don't mind sitting right there because if my game is like where it is right now, um, I'm going to win a lot. People are going to think I'm sandbagging, but I'm actually <laughs> not. <laughs> Um, but you're talking winning a little bit. Are you are you an on course betting kind of guy? You like to uh, get a couple strokes your direction during during a good match? Well, I uh, yeah, like the guys I play with in Arizona, like Patrick Peterson, Andre Roberts, Kyle Fuller, and Larry Fitzgerald. Those type of guys, they like to bet. So, um, and they mo and they beat me primarily most of the time. Um, yesterday was one of those days where I beat all of the guys that I bet. And I was like really happy. And I was like, this is, I think, the first time in history that I won every single golf bet I've had. <laughs> so I was really happy leaving Shadow Creek yesterday. Um, but yeah, I like to bet. Um, and with me being a 10.4, typically the guys I play with are lower than me. So I'm pretty much getting strokes most of the time. Um, but I tell guys, I'm, I don't know if you're going to ask this question at some point, but like the weakest point of my game is getting off the, the tee with like woods that like, will pre predominantly my driver. And so like I had just been like seeing my coach James O um, recently in Long Beach, California, shout out to James O. And we had like kind of hunkered down on the driver. And so um, this past week I was like hitting the ball great off the tee. So like my scores were, my scores were where they, I wanted them to be where I see myself scoring, if I, you know, if everything's kind of like on point. And so I went down there and I was going to work in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been down that road before with the, right. with the driver, man. I went at one point I took it out of the bag 
and then got like a mini driver or or just hit my three wood off the tee because I noticed my three wood was just going as far as my driver. So I said, F this driver, I'm putting this out because that, that thing was going in the trees. And then yeah. I don't know, something happened where I just said, screw it. And my friends are like, dude, you need to just start pulling the driver back out. I don't know what happened, but figure something out. Right, exactly. I mean, with me, with, with me, it's like, I guess the relationship of every other club in my bag versus the driver is different. Like, my three woods on down to my gap wedge or lob wedge, I hit down on the ball. You know, I hit down, and I don't get penalized for it. But something in that driver swing that makes me, like, want to open my shoulders too soon because I have to hit up on it, um, you know, it, it makes me push the ball. Like I block and then, you know, I'm hitting the hill of the club and I open face and I'm blocking right, push fading it. It's the worst shot in golf. Like it makes me want to throw up. It's funny you um, mentioned that, man. My best my best friend who I I play golf with down here in the eastern shore, Maryland area, um, for the longest time I had moved down here about three or four years ago. The kid would not carry a driver. He just refused to have that swing in his bag because it was the same exact ball flight you just described. And he's like, I would rather snap hook something far and long that would just run forever every day than watch this weak little fade just dribble out there and get myself in trouble. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I agree. Like, I can hit a snap hook and I'll smile and be like, I'm glad I saw that. And they'll be like, that's the best shot. I'll be like, I would rather see that 10 out of 10 times than that freaking high right ball that just goes out to the freeway and hits a car. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I never want to see that. I hate that shot. Yeah. Like, it, I hate that shot. If I'm going to be hitting slices, it better be Bubba Watson slices, and that thing better be going 320 and just whipping around right. trees. Other than that, exactly. no thanks. I'm not calling you out, Dante, but I've never seen you hit a slice 320. <laughs> Should have seen me in my 18 handicap days. 100, 100 yards straight. Maybe a little 220, cart help, huh? 220, right? <laughs> little trees, some cart action, oh. you name it. <laughs> Uh, Bryce, you mentioned a little bit you were playing with the, you know, with the likes of uh, Fitzgerald and, and Fuller and those guys. Uh, I got to ask you, who, who's your favorite you know, non-golfer to take money off of on the golf course? My favorite non-golfer to take money off of. Honestly, um, it would have to be Larry Fitzgerald um, because, you know, he's a fellow receiver. You know, he's a guy that I looked up to as a young kid. And on the course, he just has, like, this, like, moxie about him that, like, you know, when he beats you, like, you, like he'll let you know it. Like, you know, he's subtle, <laughs> subtle jazz at you and stuff like that. But then when you finally win, like, he won't say a word. And it's like, yeah, like, I finally got you, dog. Like, you know, <laughs> the other guys, I mean, they don't really – I mean, for all of us, it's all fun and games. Like, we don't really care. Um, but – you know, the other ones don't really say much, you know, but, like, Larry likes that stuff all the time. So, like, if you get Larry, it's like, yeah, dog, feel that. <laughs> well, I, I got like, you. I love that answer because with his success at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and stuff like that, there's just got to be a little extra, you know, swagger when you walk off the golf course, man. Like, being like, I got the guy that just won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am twice. Like, he's had some success right. within, with inside the ropes, and, and I just got that guy. <laughs> Yeah, right. He uh, 
Yeah, he can play. Um, but honestly, like in our group of guys, he's not even the best player. Pat Patrick Peterson's the best player, the better player. Oh wow, that's like really good. That's some, yeah. That's but I mean, obviously, I don't think Pat, I don't think either of us knew that. Pat is a better player. Um, and we, I mean, we have other guys that are better than both of those guys that we play with. Um, but yes, obviously, you know, Larry does his thing when he goes to these programs because he's he's won the biggest one twice <laughs> with the same guy, the same partner, I think. So um, he's doing something right over there, man. And uh, Pebble Beach, I mean, they play Pebble Beach a lot. Like those guys go up there, fly out early one morning land there, play, you know, 36 and then fly back. Like they, you know, they do that a lot, you know? So, <laughs> um, you know, like I'm pretty sure Larry um, plays Pebble Beach more than most of those players that actually, you know, play that tournament. Sure. So more, more than the pros themselves, huh? Yeah. Like I'm serious. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I don't know, you know, the pros are just like going to fly to just go play Pebble Beach just for fun. Like, I don't see them doing stuff like that. So, like, um, unless they were, like, on a, you know, on a trip and they were just hanging out in Monterey or something. But most of those guys, you know, they're where they're at. You know, Ricky and them, they're down in South Florida, Rory, South Florida, and they play, like, you know, in Jupiter all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're on this side. So, I think one of the best courses out on, on this side of the, the United States, you know, is definitely – Pebble Beach in Cyprus, and they go up there a lot and play there. I think we're going to Pebble soon. Like, we were talking about it yesterday. So, I haven't played there. I haven't played that course. I played Spanish and Spyglass, um, which were dope, but I shouldn't have played them. Like, when I played them, my game was like, it was like in 2017. So, I was like brand new to the game. So, like, I didn't even really deserve to be on those golf courses. <laughs> well, that's um, funny you mentioned that because like I feel like. Hundreds. I've been lucky enough. I have been out to both Pebble and Spyglass, uh, and Spyglass is tougher. I think both the courses you played are actually a little tougher than Pebble Beach. I mean, you get a little stretch of holes uh, along the water where Pebble Beach can kind of rear its head if it's windy and, and nasty out. Uh-huh. But Spyglass, I think, is definitely the tougher of the two. So you definitely got the, sh- the short end of the stick going out there, uh, just introducing yourself to the northwest coast with uh, Spyglass in Spanish. Damn, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I know they're all like short courses, per se. Um, but I didn't know Spyglass is harder. Damn, I shouldn't have played Spyglass. I mean, personal opinion, it, it might not truly be harder, but just uh, just a quick observation on my end of things. I I got my butt whooped by Spyglass. <laughs> really? I just remember Spyglass was like super dope because like one like was kind of similar to Ten at Augusta, but except for the fact that you added the Pacific Ocean to it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly if I, if exact I remember that correctly. Out. Yep. Yeah, yep, that nice. big dog leg left down the hill. Yep. <laughs> you ever just think, like, as for me, too, like, I've played, I've gone on golf trips where, you know, I was worse than I am now, and, you know, I, I want to play, I kind of want to go back and just think about all, how, how would I play these courses now if I was – at the skill level I'm at now than I was back then on the trips I went right. to. Cause it always, it, right. that, that eats me up in the back of my head because I, I kind of want to relive those golf trips. Cause sometimes you go on these golf trips and you're, you know, people are paying all X amount of money or, you know, they're going to these fancy places, it's pristine conditions. And, you know, you want, you always want to play well when you go to like these nice courses and whatnot. 
right. then you always go and then you struggle. But then as you progress and you play throughout the years, you get better and better and better. And then you, in the back of my mind, I, this is for me, I don't know about you. You think, man, how would I play that course if I were to go back now, go back to that course right. and play that, you know? Yeah, facts. I, I totally agree. Like, yeah. Spanish band, Spyglass. Yeah, I know right. I would break 90. I know I would break 90 if I played there now. Like, I know I would. Like, no question. But when I went the first time, I wasn't even breaking 100 there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? And that's the um, best feeling so yeah. on those trips is just being able to, like, post a number. Even if you're on, like, a two- or three-day trip, if, if, you do, if you get one round to, like, post a solid number, you feel so, like, happy with just the entire trip. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's how I felt yesterday at Shadow. Um, it was like a tell of, well, it wasn't a tell of two nines. I call them halves, but um, yesterday, throughout the whole round, I like struck the ball, I think the best and the most consistently that I think I ever have done in like a full 18. Like, I think I probably hit like, 13 out of 14 of those greens in regulation. But the problem was on the front nine, I had like, uh, I shouldn't be saying this on air, but I had like two four putts and I had like two three putts. So like the first hole, I was on in two, I three putted for a bogey. The second hole, I was on in two and I four putted for a double bogey. The third hole, I was on in two, I four put it for a double bogey. And like um my caddy was like, Man, like, you know, like yesterday you were putting so much better. And I was like, well, I was like, Well, yesterday it was wet because it rained all day. So like you know, the greens were definitely not this fast. And I'm putting it with the same mental thought of like, you know, this the same power will work. And I'm blowing past the hole like ten feet and I'm blowing past the hole again, you know, thinking I'm tapping the ball and I'm blowing past the hole. So like the first like four holes, like like I kid you not, like I think I had like fourteen putts. And I was like, this I like and I didn't get mad. I was like, I'm not gonna get mad because I know that I'm I'm hitting greens and I was like, I'm gonna figure out the putting. At some point I'm gonna figure out the putting and I'm gonna go low on the back nine and I'm gonna win on my bet. And that's what I told him. So I kept a good attitude. Um and so I went forty seven on the front nine. And I shot a 39 on the back nine. So I Man, shot an 86. But golfing your ball on the back nine, though. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But, like, I was golfing in the front, but I just couldn't make putts. So, like, I was like, man, if I could have just – if I could have just two-putted, you know, some of those, you know, triple putt or, you know, four putt, I would have shot, like, a 79. Without blinking an you know? eye. Yeah, so just a like, couple putts. I, and I <laughs> – I, that, it's just that's how that's what it always boils down to. That's why we love the game so much, you know, because yes, I can yes. sit there and go like, "Dang!" Like if I go back and play this tomorrow, I'll putt better, right? But then like the next day, I might actually not hit the ball as good, but I'll be one putting everything, so I'll be scrambling all day. Like it, it's just the cycles of the game, man. It's crazy. It's, that's it is hilarious, uh, and I, I know Dante can speak to this too. We've we've played a lot of rounds together, and it's funny. It's like you go back, like you said, and one day can't miss a putt but man you couldn't hit an iron to save your life and then you go back and right. the, irons, the irons you might as well just not brought them the next day but 
you know, and then you can't, you can't hit a drive or something. It just, nothing seems to piece it together. And I think that's what, when you look at the guys on tour, you know, or guys chasing it, even that are putting these nine, eight or nine unders together to Monday qualify and stuff like that. It's like, and then they're bringing it for the whole week next week. It's like, that's what's impressive about these guys is how they can just consistently bring it uh, time and time again on the golf course. Right. Exactly. That, that's what separates the men from the boys. There's no doubt about it. Right. Now, now you spent a little time in Dallas and you mentioned to it, there's an, there's a really good golf scene kind of in the Texas area. Uh, and then, and then in Miami mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, did you get to play at all, uh, in Dallas? Like you said, you started a little in seven, 2017. Um, did you find a favorite golf course in the Dallas area? Um, I started playing there 16. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good courses there. Um, uh, what was my, like, okay. So I'm a club core member, right? A golf, you know, club core, whatever. I'm a golf member, the club core down there in Dallas. And they had like 25 different courses that I could play basically for the price of my membership fees per month. And they had a lot of nice courses like uh, TBC Craig Ranch was one of them. Um, there's a really nice, um, there's a really nice um, a link style course called Stonebridge Ranch that's up in McKinney near TBC Craig Ranch that was really good and tough. Um, had like really nice things to do. It made you feel like you was in Wisconsin. <laughs> and um and then like there's other courses that aren't on uh that aren't on Club Core, like uh is it Dallas is it Dallas National? What's that course down in the middle of in middle of Dallas that Tony Romo I played Trinity Forest. I didn't really care too much for that course. I never played um is it T P C where they used to have the Byron Nelson at. Um Oh, the Four Seasons? I ne- I- no, it? no, 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 no. It's in Dallas. No, it's not the TBC Southern County. It's in Dallas. Well, they used to have the Byron Nelson. I forgot the name of it. Um, it was at, it's at the Four Seasons Hotel. I never played that one. Um, when the, when the name comes up to me, like, I don't remember it. But yeah, all I can think of is Trinity Forest, I- where they currently have it. But you're right. They moved yeah, venues Trinity not too Forest. long ago. Mm. Let me look it up while I'm gone. But there's there's another course that was there. Um, it's I think it's called Dallas National, and it was nice, but it was like really hard. But I think I probably would play better. Yeah, it's Dallas National. Dallas yep. National. Okay, I wasn't sure yeah, if it Dallas sounded right, National and I knew like, you'd find uh, it. <laughs> yeah, Dallas National is tough, but That's it's like awesome. a really nice course. Now you yeah. mentioned Club Corps a little bit there. Walk us through like what being a member at Club Corps is, because I think a lot of our listeners would maybe love to hear about that, because it's not something we hear a lot, uh, a lot about, at least down on the eastern shore of Maryland here. And like you know, I think there's some courses up in the D.C. area maybe, but um, I feel like as you get out more west coast uh, and like you know central, more of the flyover states, you get into a lot of the Club Corps courses. And I'd like for you to touch on maybe like what being a member of Club Corps kind of gets you. Uh, Club Corps is, well, okay, so say, you know, I live in Texas, Dallas still, right? And I become a member at a club, the, the members, the club called uh, Clubs of Prestonwood, right? And so, like, when you go, you you become a member at that club, 
specifically, but it's under an umbrella or network of other championship golf courses that have clubs that are just golf clubs or country clubs. And um, depending on the membership that you get, um, you can go play that network of uh, of golf courses for no extra charge. Like you might just have to pay the the cart fee if you're riding a cart. If you you know if you ride a cart or if you walk, I know this is enjoy the walk podcast here. <laughs> um, you don't have to pay. So like I can go play anywhere um, that has a club court course for pretty much nothing. Um, all I have to do is just call in and say, hey, I'm Bryce Butler. This is my membership number. Um, I want to come play your course. Do you guys have two times? And if they do, I'm there. Um, and so being in Dallas, um, or when I travel back to Dallas, I'm actually going back. We're actually going back this weekend. When you're in Dallas, it's like awesome. Or Atlanta, it's great because there's like 20 golf courses club court golf courses in the Dallas area because that's where the headquarters are. And like in Houston, there's a lot in Houston. And then like you go to Atlanta, there's like, there's a lot in Atlanta. And then up there by you guys, um, there's a couple in Maryland. Like there's one, well, I mean, they're spread out, but there's one in like Rockville or Townsend, Towson, Maryland. And there's another one in like, okay. There's another one near Rockville or Olney. I'm looking at it right now because the map. I have the app on my phone. So. <laughs> I mean, there's, well, no, there's I... a couple. Of, there's a couple in Delaware and stuff like that. There's a lot in. There's a couple in Ohio. I mean, there's there's some a, a good amount of places. There's some states that don't have them, but there's Let's some see. that. Are, I knew there was. I knew there was like a a really big uh, big focus on like your bigger cities, like you said, Dallas and you know uh, Atlanta and stuff like that. I know um, even getting out even towards like uh, a couple of our friends we met down at the PGA show who are from the Utah area. We're uh, we're Club Corps members, and um, I just wanted to you know give our listeners an idea for what it was all about because I think it's just such a cool um, opportunity to play really really nice championship style golf courses for uh for kind of one like flat rate i guess you would say as opposed to just being a member at one place and being stuck um within your own membership so um definitely advise our our listeners to check it out because i think it's a really cool opportunity and and like you said if you walk like a you know in a a true enjoy the walk style uh you you would be able to play for free at a bunch of different golf courses with one flat rate Uh, so that's it's it's a pretty uh membership kind of like a pay pay for one get how many other kind of buy one right. get one and it, it's because that's how my course is you know i belong to a course down in uh new jersey uh running dairy golf course and you've probably heard the name it's ron jaworski owned um but he also mm-hmm. has like six seven other courses in the area that you that are also associated with it so if you know they're booked up or you just want to switch things up you just call up the other course you just show up if you're taking a cart pay the cart fee if not they pretty much allow walking and then you just you just hop on out there and, and you're good to go. Right. Exactly. That's pretty exactly. sick. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's great. Um, when you can do that, man. I mean, rather than having to ask for a hookup from like a friend or something <laughs> like that. So it's always good. To be Heck yeah. Now, speaking of hookups, I have to ask because we've seen on a little couple social media posts, you've been able to get in at Augusta national and take some time in at the masters uh you know how did you get in there and and what was your experience like uh walking up and down uh 
the pristine conditions out there at Augusta? Oh man, Augusta's like heaven for golf courses. Um, yeah, I've, I've been a couple of times. I went in 17, the year that Sergio won, and then I also went in 19, this past year when Tiger came back and got his W. Um, I, the first year, it was like crazy. Like I was scheduled to go travel to Jacksonville with my uncle who lives in Dallas to play golf at Sawgrass with him. And I don't remember what happened. This is when I was still in Dallas. I don't remember what happened, but I kind of was just like, man, I don't really feel like going down there, you know. And at that point, my game wasn't where, like, I, you know, it is now. And I just remember being like, I don't want to go to TBC Sawgrass and play bad, shoot like 100. It's going to ruin, like, the trip. Like, you know? And so, like, oh, yeah. I kind of was, like, backing, like, mentally backing out. Like, I don't really want to go down there. Like, yeah. Like, let me wait. And then... I remember, like, I think it was, like, the Sunday, like, that was leading into the Masters. I got a call from my buddy who worked for Nike Golf at the time. And he was like, bro, um, you want to come to the Masters this week? And I was like, yeah, but, like, how? You know, and he was like, bro, like, Nike Golf is doing, like, a thing they're inviting, like, he was like, me, Sean Mato, um, Bernard Magat is a, a cross country runner or a long distance sprinter, or not sprinter, a long distance runner. And then Sean Mato, who's a pro skateboarder. Um, they're like, we want to invite you three guys out. We have cottages at Stage Valley um, Country Club down in um, Aiken, South Carolina, mm-hmm. which is pristine as well. And they're like, we'll pay for everything. You just have to say if you want to come or not. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I came yesterday before you even invited me. I was like, are you kidding me? Let's go. Book it. Let's go. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't is even there, ask, a, is like, there an option like, to say no at the, to a master's invite? Yeah. There's, there's no <laughs> option. So, like, I remember he was like, I mean, just talk to your wife. Well, I was like, I'm not talking to her. I was like, I'm telling her I'm going. Like, <laughs> I'm not asking her if I can go to the master's. I was like, I'm going. I was like, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, just tell me my flight. And so I remember that week I had to be my teammate, Tyrone Crawford, um, is from Canada. And he had a golf, he had a a football camp for, you know, youth up in his hometown of uh, Windsor, Canada, um, or Windsor, Ontario, like that weekend I had to leave like on Friday. So I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to come down there for like two days. I'll stay like Tuesday and Wednesday fly back Wednesday, be in Dallas for a couple of days, and then fly back out to go to Canada on Friday. And long story short, um, I was like, I canceled I, I canceled my flight to come back home. I was like, man, I don't want to leave yet. I, I at least leave one more day. Um, and then the, the day I was supposed to fly home, it was like bad weather. So long story short, I stayed the whole week. Um, <laughs> but I left Friday. So I stayed, I stayed, I think, either Monday or Tuesday through Friday. And then I flew from Atlanta to Canada for the camp. And I remember like my, my wife was mad at me because she was like, you were going the whole week. You were supposed to just be going for like a day. And I just remember being like, it was the Masters. <laughs> you get over it, you know? There seems to be a globally accepted big. answer for why you missed something or why you didn't pay attention to something come Masters week across the entire sports universe. And it's, uh, it's well, because the Masters. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, like definitely. Like, I didn't even care. I was like, I'm going. 
don't care if you don't want me to go. I'm going. This is the Masters. Like, I'm from Georgia. And, like, I, my dad, my dad's been living in Atlanta since 1980. And he had never gotten a shot to go to the Masters until, well, I'm not going to say he never had a shot. Because if he really wanted to go, he probably would have made it away down there. But he just never went until I took him last year in some Tiger. So that was, like, sick. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that was pretty that is that's and awesome. Him, yeah, I took him on Sunday, so I took my wife on Saturday. So last year, so the my anniversary comes typically during that week. So my anniversary is April thirteenth, and so this year <laughs> we spent our we spent we spent our anniversary in Augusta. Nice. And like you know, a lot of my buddies are like, "You you better like they're like, man, she must be." Like, you better do something really nice for her, like, when you come back, because, like, she's going to spend, like, you know, your anniversary at a golf course. I was like, yeah, we are, but, like, when she gets there, she's going to appreciate it, and she's going to like it. You know, like, I was like, right now, she's kind of, like, reluctant, but, like, when she was when she was there, she was like, okay, yeah, like, this place is, like, really cool. Like, you know, if anybody likes golf, they like, she was like, they have to come here if they can, like, because that place is, like, sick. Yeah, and I heard a lot, I heard a lot, too, that pictures and tv just doesn't do it justice it's just oh, no it, especially the, i know tv says the elevation just doesn't doesn't even show the true elevation of the course right so okay so i'm guessing you guys haven't been no we have not <laughs> okay so yeah so um yeah yeah guys like that was the thing that 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 was the, the first thing that shocked me when i first walked through um i guess you would say the gate to get like on the course on hole number one like it feels like when you first walk by that mat that huge scoreboard you feel like you're in jurassic park like if if there was really dinosaurs on earth they would live at augusta (laughs) they would live at augusta national like the way it looks like it's hard to explain when you get there you will always remember what I just said to you. You're going to be like, okay, now I understand what Bryce meant when he said this <laughs> feels like Jurassic Park. I hope you know you've just cemented yourself into me, probably Dante and all of our listeners, absolute brain, like mind roll. The first time any of us walk into Augusta, we're going to be like, yeah, it's Jurassic Park, freaking Bryce Butler, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for a pterodactyl to fly like through these trees. Like, it's crazy. I'm telling you, man. Like how big and vast and open and hilly it is with those huge Georgia pine trees. Like, I mean that yeah, that place is magical, man. It's sick. like there's like it's perfectly green. It it seems like nothing's out of place, especially if it doesn't rain and like it gets muddy where the foot traffic is. Like nothing is out of place. Like the green is like perfect. It seems like they like. You know how, like, you know, like, black people, like, we pick our hair if we have a lot of hair. Like, it seems like they pick the grass up so it stands straight. Like, that's so, how, like... You're, talk, you're talking to two white guys. Unfortunately, I have no clue what the hell you're talking about. But <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I believe you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm bald, so I, yeah, it's just game over. You, with definitely, <laughs> you definitely don't have a comb at the house if you're bald. No, I threw, no. <laughs> I threw that. I threw that out. I threw the hair products out. I said, you know what? It's. I. I said, you know, it's time for a change. It's. It's. It's gone. And the only thing we. The only thing we might be grooming it. is a little beard hair. Other than that, uh, we're pretty <laughs> scotch free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
<laughs> so what's your favorite thing on the food menu then? There? Yeah. My favorite thing there, man, is uh the oatmeal raisin the oatmeal raisin cookies. Okay. Okay. Like I think I bought twenty four this past year. I think <laughs> I bought like more than twenty this year. <laughs> Okay. Like, cause they're like a hot commodity. Like some of yeah. the like, concession areas, like they sell out, they don't have them. You have to like go to another one, like to find them. Like they're that good, dude. Like they have a lot of great things. Like I don't mess with the pimento cheese. The chicken sandwiches are really good in the morning. Um, the the barbecue sandwiches that they have are really good because they're hot. Um, the only the only review that I would give the chicken sandwich is that I wish it was cold. They're cold. They're cold. I mean, they're hot because they're cold um and if, if any of you guys know about chick-fil-a biscuits like they're fantastic <laughs> in the morning because they're hot and the ones that they serve are cold so it was just like ah but they were good they were like, ah. good but could have um, been better <laughs> right and then the sweet tea i mean they, i mean and everything that they have on their menu is, is cheap so like, you'll walk up and you'll just like be grabbing like sandwiches like two barbecue sandwiches some chips, like a sweet tea, maybe like two oatmeal raisin cookies or like an ice cream cookie sandwich. And you'll be thinking like, I need to pull out like a 20 because this is going to cost like 19 bucks, if that $25, $30. And they'll hit you with like, oh, that'll be like eight fifty, And you're like, what? I got like six things. Like, it's like cheap. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's like cheap. Like, the like they do thing, it right there. It's like old school. That's the one thing that just blows my mind each and every year is that the prices don't change because as, as big of a spectacle as they've become in the game and as exclusive as they've become as far as, you know, how tough it is to get tickets and the, the no cell phone policy and just everything being so kind of just their own show, it blows my mind that they just keep everything so cheap and kind of, you know, it's just for everyone when it comes to concessions because it seems like every other sporting event is just blowing concession prices out of the water. Right, right, which is which is awesome. And the other golf courses around the country need to figure that out because Augusta is the only one that is doing it the right way, in my opinion. With yeah, we totally even agree. with merchandise. Yeah, we we think there's just a huge push to be made that like there need it, you know golf been talking a lot lately about what rollback needs to happen in the game, and I think a, re- a rollback needs to happen in the prices of how just expensive yeah. the game is because in the end all be all there's so many people that want to play the game but just don't have the means to play the game and like you know right. you look at you look at people uh just within the inner city and it's starting to happen i feel like there's there's this push of like making golf cool within inner cities and uh, whether it's the first tee programs or just your little your niche like brands coming up within different cities that are starting to make golf like not only cheaper and and you know the whole like municipal golf mentality but they're starting to make golf cool again whether it's in golf fashion but it's like you're starting to see the masses flock to golf and i think the one last thing that is just kind of waiting to break that barrier is just the overall price of it all right i I agree i agree i totally agree the clothes are expensive yeah the equipment yeah i agree Totally. That's awesome. Now, speaking of uh, golf fashion, uh, you, you know, I've seen you a, a good bit of times out at uh, Malbon Golf, and uh, I, I think I'd like to hear a little bit about, uh, you know, 
how awesome it is to kind of, you know, just be around those kinds of guys in the industry, whether it's Malvin golf or, uh, I think the last time out there you were hanging out and mucking it up with Haley Ledbetter and, uh, just looks like a really fun group of people to be, you know, around when you're, uh, in the golf industry. And, you know, maybe you could touch on some of the relationships you have, you know, through, uh, just kind of hanging out in that scene. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot, like who you're saying, like there's a lot of people that's pushing the boundaries and changing culture a little bit in the community of golf. Um, and, you know, Steven's one of those guys um, with his, uh, you know, store slash clothing brand slash just like culture. Like he's been doing a really good job of trying to merge. I, I say like the hip hop slash like punk kind of culture um, or people. Uh, community that might be like kind of peeking their head, you know, through the fence of on golf. Like, ah, I don't really know. Like, I don't know nobody that plays the game. It seems like it's just like a preppy kind of like snobby, like, you know, a lot of people like to say like white man's game. Like, I had a lot of teammates um, when I, like when I started playing golf in Dallas, like a lot of guys used to be like, bro, like, you look like an idiot. Like, why are you wearing that, those clothes? I'm like, bro, I'm going to play golf. Like, you know what I'm saying? It'll be like, what? And I'll be like, first of all, don't ever talk about my clothes because I dress better than you regardless if I'm wearing golf clothes or regular clothes. Anyway, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, you should try golf. Like, golf is fun. Like, it's a different game. It's very it's very competitive. Within, it's like, it's a competitive game within yourself. Um, and, like, it's, it's unable to be mastered. You know, like, the best player ever, I would say, is Tiger Woods. Um, and he still doesn't always hit the ball down the middle. You know, he makes bogey from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it's a game that cannot be mastered. You know, like basketball, it can be mastered. You can be a LeBron James. You can be a Kobe Bryant. You can be a Michael Jordan. You can be a Kareem. Like, you can be guys like that that are, like, virtually unstoppable. Same with football. Like, well, I mean, Tom Brady's don't really ever happen in football, but, like, you know, you can be that in football. Like, there's Jerry, there's Shannon Sharps, there's Ray Lewis. Like, there's great players that are, like, that transcend the game, right? But tech, typically in golf, like, and like take Tiger out of the equation, you know, like it's the best an, It's such an even playing the, field at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, anybody can win. Like, anybody can win every week. You know, like, I, I guess, like, the high, like, I don't know who has the most wins on tour outside of Tiger right now. Um, well, not Phil. Like, you take away Phil and Tiger, like, the next guy up is probably like, who, like, Dustin? I think it's and either got to be Jay like, or, or maybe Justin Thomas. But I think Dustin's been around a little longer. So, in the guys of like, yeah, Dustin's older. Kind of 35 or something like that, it's got to be DJ. Yeah, I think, I think it's DJ. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's DJ. And he has like, like nineteen or like in the twenties or something like that, right? So like, and everybody else is sitting at like ten or eleven, <laughs> like or eight. Like Patrick Reed, I think, has eight. And I just saw like something on Instagram today, and there was like a picture, and they were saying showing the guys with the most wins in the thirties. And I think like Patrick has eight, DeChambeau has five. I think Spieth has like eleven. Um, Rory's 30 already, so he's out of there. Um, I think JT has the most. I think JT had like 12 or 13 or something like that. Yeah, that was going to be my other guy, Rory, but it's it's still a no comparison to 
to a tiger. Tiger. It's just absurd. The the dominance that yeah, Tigers put absurd. on the field. It's absurd. And then if you throw if you say Tiger never existed and Phil did what he did, like he has the same numbers, Phil would be like a god to us, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Well, he he is one, but like he gets overshadowed by Tiger because Tiger has like double the amount of wins, but like Phil has a lot of wins too. Yeah, Phil Phil's, like Phil's sitting there at forty four wins. And and, yeah, he's, that's and he's only number nine on the list. Everyone above him are just absolute legends. Byron Nelson, Arnold right. Palmer, Hogan, Nicholas, and Tiger. Like, <laughs> it's just uh, right. when you look at the the list, and then you, I mean, you gotta you gotta take like eight or nine, maybe even ten scrolls to you get someone who's playing in the game today, who's who's on the list of all time wins. Right. So yeah, man, like. I always try to tell people to answer your question, like those guys like Steven and all them are doing a great job because they're bringing other people that wouldn't technically be a part of the game in the game. And you get like a girl like Haley Ledbetter or like a girl like Ashley K. Mayo um, that work for these companies that are like really cool um online like they really do a really good job with like the content pushing online um to get other people who probably wouldn't really look at golf um with a like through a certain lens to look through that lens and be like okay like this is cool like this game is fun like i can go out and like i don't have to be good but i, I can go out and just have a fun time you know with my friends like or a group of people and, and play the game and uh th- that community um, from what I've seen, it's just been nothing but cool, man. Like I, I mean, I've I've developed relationships with a lot of those people like really fairly quickly. Like I said, like I just started playing the game of golf again in 2016. It wasn't until like, um, I would say like 2017 where like I started like kind of like reaching out and networking with people. Like I um started like a relationship with like Taylor May first, and then it went to Callaway and still Callaway to this day. Um, and, you know, through those guys and some other people, I've been, I've been leading a lot of people. Um, and so, like, I'm just – the network of people has just been great and everybody's been cool. And um, they always help me if I have questions with, you know, the golf world. Because, like I said, like, I'm new to this game still. Um, I might ask some stupid questions and they're, like, you know, they're more than happy to answer and – you know, they don't make me feel stupid for hitting them up at, say, like, 10 o'clock at night. Like, hey, uh, why did this happen in this tournament? Like, what? Can you explain that rule? And they're like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 So, like, you know, they're all really cool. All those people are awesome. You know what? It, it, when it comes to it, when it comes to golf and just the, there's so many complexities, there's never any stupid questions, whether it's from the game perspective of learning the rules or just figuring out your swing. There's always questions to be asked about the swing, no matter how well or bad you're hitting it. Um, so I, I think just like you said, building that golf community of just people you can go to um, in anyone's realm, whether it's, you know, your perspective or our, our side of things or someone just picking up the, the game. I think to know that there's someone to go to is always like the first step to growing the sport, because if you don't have someone to go right. to, then you're probably just going to hit a plateau, especially in golf. It takes a while to really pick up and master. Then you're probably just going to fizzle out because you don't have that group of people that are constantly either a bugging you to go play or b helping you figure this damn game out (laughs) right exactly you need people in this game to help you for sure 
for sure. So now we, we absolutely love seeing those kind of initiatives, whether it's, it's people like Malvin Goff and, and Steve uh, out there, or um, even I think someone we've, we've kind of interacted with in the past out in the Pacific Northwest area uh, in Muni kids, they have kind of this neighborhood golf shop vibe where uh, they even, you know, <laughs> I think they put uh they, what do they put Dante? They put a, uh, milk cartons together they tape up milk cartons and hit them at like milk crates down the road so they play like a little bit of urban golf but yeah. uh it's just it's getting kids involved and getting kids to know that hey i can pick up a golf club and and go swing it and uh and figure this game out off of the stuffy you know like you said the stuffy old white man country club sport and and turn it around into something that's pretty cool and you can pick up and kids will be like oh it's, you aren't the weird golfer <laughs> not even it's right. not even a it's not even like um that you know higher higher class you know white collar as they say country club game anymore or leisure hobby i mean this is an athletic sport now and it's and i think people are starting to turn their heads that you know these guys are training and this is what it is now it's a sport so Anybody athletic can play it. It's just we need to find a way to be able to get those clubs in their hands. Right, exactly. And that's what I want to do, man, like um, with my like my ideas and charities and things that I want to do. Like I kind of want to – well, no, I don't kind of want to. Like I want to be able to bring the game to people that might not be able to take up the sport without any help. Um, because like we spoke about, um, the golf game is like really expensive and there's some people that might want to play, but they just can't because they don't have the means to. Um, and that's one thing that I've been talking to, uh, to my agent about, like trying to start like a charity or foundation that can help kids that, um, like I said, aren't so fortunate to be able to afford the game, to be able to bring the game to them. So I think that would be sweet to do. We're definitely all about that initiative. And I think any, any way any of us can grow the game, whether it's, you know, at the junior level or, or help, you know, middle-aged folks pick it up as a hobby, uh, any way to get people into this game to show them how awesome it is to enjoy and kind of just the, you know, yes, it is tough to pick up at first, but you know, it's fun to just get out and figure it out on your own at sometimes too. It's, it's fun to just grind. And, uh, but it's also fun to just, you know, smack it around with your buddies on, on any given like Thursday afternoon for nine holes too. So there, there's so many different ways to play yeah. this game. And I think that's also what's, uh, what's so great about it compared to different sports is, you know, you can go out and hit a bucket of balls or you can go out and play nine. You can go out and play 18. You can go play competitive rounds. You can go play your, you know, your member guests at a big, on a big buddies trip or something. And there's just so many different ways to get involved in this game. It's, it's, uh, it's one that's truly special and I think separates itself sometimes between a lot of the other sports out there. Right. Exactly. I agree. So now before we wrap up, uh, we, we always kind of ask, uh, I know we touched on a little earlier, you know, some of your lower rounds, but we always ask our guests uh, what their best and worst round was uh, and, and uh, where it came, if it was any, you know, at a particularly tough course or if it was, at, you know, one of your local clubs. Okay. So I'll start with my worst round. It was at Riviera um, in 2017. Um, during training camp. So one of my buddies had a had a connection at Riviera, and I remember on the day off, he was like, bro, we're going to play Riviera. I was like, I'll be there. 
And man, I probably shot like 120. <laughs> I mean, how do you turn down like Riviera though? That's man. another one of those. You just, uh, when it, when the opportunity presents itself, there's no saying no. No. And then I got caught in the sand trap on, I think, is it 11? The one that you can drive the green and everybody hits it like, like far left, like past the green left and they chip up. Uh, that's like I, hit it, 10, I ended right? up hitting in the sand and I think I like hit like five or six times. I just kept, I kept hitting it over the green, like on the green and it will roll back into the other sand trap on the green and roll back. And I kept doing that. And I was like, what the? You know, it's yeah, funny. So like that was yeah. my work. Every year, a, 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 a touring pro does the same dang thing, so you can't feel too bad about yourself. Oh <laughs> yep, and that's what I typically know. So, like, I try to, like, say, well, I saw this guy do it last week, so I ain't going to be too hard on myself. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then my best round was uh, at this course in Alabama um, called Purcell Farms. Um, shout out to the Purcell family. And, uh... I shot a 78, and I was my best round to date. And I could have shot that this weekend if I could have made some points, <laughs> but I didn't. Those, those elusive first four. But I didn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, that was so bad, man. <laughs> Oh, well, that's uh, it's and that's it's like you said, man. I think we just kind of like end it with this. It's like there's just so many ways. No matter how good you play, like I feel like even the guys that shoot like 58 on tour and like break records are like, yeah, but man, 57 was just right there. If I just made that putt on the fourth hole from eight feet when it lipped out or something like that, like there's always exactly. one or two shots every round, no matter how good you play, that you say, well, that could have went in and I could have shot one better. And that's just – that's personally the best part about the game. Yeah, exactly. And, that, I mean, that's what brings you back. Like, the, the woulda, coulda, shoulda that you had every round. Even if you shoot a good round, you'd be like, well, man, like I shot – like, even when I shot a 78, like, I was super happy. But I remember just being like, man, like, man, I missed that one putt that was, like, three feet. Or I, I did this, and I could have had this type of round, you know. So, there's, there's always a – there's always a want more attitude in the game of golf. I think it's more addicting than gambling. So I would 100% uh, agree. It's a great, I agree on that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real addictive game. And I think everybody who, you know, starts like the game, like they find that golf bug and like they just can't stop playing it. Like I get so many buddies that are in the NFL space um, that used to question me playing a game of golf and be like, why did you know why does this guy play so much golf? And then now they call me like, bro, like, what what club should I what club should I get? Uh, um, you know, like I've been playing the game all the time. Like, you know, what do you think about this swing? And they'll send me videos, and I'm like, bro, like, that's sick, that's your plan, but I'm not really a coach, so I don't know if you really want my pointers. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like. It's an awesome game, man. It's addicting, um, and I hope that I play. I can play it until like my last day on the turf. Amen. I think we're all the same here. We're golf addicts. We're golf nuts. Like you said, we've been kind of bitten by that bug, and uh, once you get bit, it's uh, it's I'd say all near, all but near impossible to uh, to get away from it. I think it's uh, it's something that sticks within your blood forever. For sure. For sure. 
All right. Well, guys, that was Bryce Butler, a little insider into his love for the game and kind of the places it's taken him over the last decade. Uh, Bryce, we really want to appreciate or thank you for, uh, you know, joining us this evening. And uh, where can everyone find you, whether it's via social media or any kind of Internet platform that they can follow along on your journey? Um, all my social media accounts are my first and last name. So it's B-R-I-C-E underscore Butler. Uh, so Bryce underscore Butler on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And then I have a website for my uh, brand slash foundation. Um, I am fastforever.com. Um, you can go check that out as well. And recently launched with the uh, I am fast forever, correct? Yeah, it's been there. Um, but like I like I'm now I'm starting to like push forward my ideas um and you know, try to get some some traction towards it. So it's it's been it's been around but like to everybody else it hasn't. So yeah, in a sense it has been out. It's just it's new. Very cool. And and for those of you who don't know about that, uh, he runs uh, youth football camps uh, through the I Am Fast Forever uh, Foundation. So go follow that, guys. He also runs a golf tournament, it looks like, through that. So uh, definitely give him a follow on yeah. both accounts. He's a, a really good follow, whether it's on or off the football field. Um, so one last thing, I guess I, I kind of missed over here. You are a free agent. Is there, uh, is there any looks of, of you definitely finding a home for, for next season coming up? Oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely land somewhere. Um, it's hard to know where right now because free agency is not opened up and agents are, quote, unquote, not allowed to talk to teams right now. So um, right now it's just a waiting game. And then, uh, yeah, when it opens up next month, we'll kind of have a clearer picture on what's going to happen in the future. Excited. Well, if you come to Philly, I got some courses we can play. Uh, let's do it. Philly needs some receivers for sure. So uh, let's do it. Yep, let's do it. <laughs> No doubt. That's the yeah, official petition go. from the Enjoy the Walk podcast to get Bryce Butler on the Eagles, baby. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I want to thank you again for joining us. I uh, really appreciated the time and the talk this evening. I uh, hope our listeners enjoyed that interview. And as always, get out there, carry your clubs if you can, and uh, enjoy the walk. So, Bryce, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. God bless, guys. Take care. One shot at a time.